There was a sense of needing to shake things up. So that's what we literally physically did. One of the challenges as a couple is convincing investors that couples make good founders. Got married and then we had the family before we then joined together in the company. I think that's really helped us. We do go home and think about work all the time. The secret of working together as a couple is that you just can be honest to each other. Fun, work, pleasure, life. We just throw it all in one big pot. I'm Trisha Bacon and I am very excited to be sharing our second series of Between the Spreadsheets, a selection of conversations with inspirational couples who combine love and work to run a business together. I'm the founder of Couplepreneurs, a growing global community of couples who live together and run a business together. And with millions of couplepreneurs across the globe, we know this is definitely a thing. It's also been really insightful, heartwarming and inspiring to be able to spend time with the couples and to have an opportunity to share their stories. Busting open the myths that exist around couples in business and finding out what it's really like to be a couplepreneur and just how they juggle and integrate work, life, love and everything in between. This is who we are. This is what we're working towards. Stay true to yourself. I mean, the number one thing is authenticity. If you want to do a business and you want to have a successful business as any entrepreneur, I think the first thing you have to realize is what am I really doing? What am I passionate about? You need to follow that, not necessarily just the trends. You know, you need to be true to who you are. In this episode, we hear about how coffee brought Christian and Amber Mayer together in 2006 when they met in Canada, and how coffee has remained hugely significant in their lives. Christian's professional cycling career took them to Europe where they decided to make Girona in Spain their home. And it was a discussion and a seminal moment on a Spanish beach that would set them on a journey of discovery and change, fulfillment and joy, setbacks and learnings, and so much more. This driven, engaging and inspiring couplepreneur who have a passion for coffee, bikes, riding and hospitality have gone on to set up La Fabrica, The Service Course and Espresso Mafia and they've expanded internationally very recently to the UK and Norway. I loved meeting them at their newly launched and very beautiful location in Wilmslow in Cheshire and hearing so much about their authenticity and how they are the motivation for one another. And if you do hear any champagne corks popping and noise and frivolity in the background as the interview progresses, that's exactly what was going on as they were about to host a night of great and no doubt very deserved celebration. So a big welcome, Christian and Amber, to Between the Spreadsheets. And I kick off the conversation by asking them more about what they do. What we do at the moment, we run some cafes and some pretty cool bike shops to sum it up. Um, I'm more on the coffee side. I do more of La Fabrica and then Christian's more on the bike side. He's kind of the visionary creative director and he really lets his passion flow when it comes to the cycling side of it. So both of us came together each found our niche and then decided, okay, this is what we love to do. And we each ran with it. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I like to ride bikes. I ride bikes a lot. Uh, I like everything around bikes. I mean, cycling has been a passion of mine for a very long time. Obviously I was a professional cyclist for many years. And then when I left that behind, you know, my passion for the bike still remained very strong. And alongside that, uh, strong passion for coffee 
Uh, Amber has a strong passion for hospitality. I love humans. And you put that together and you get uh, some cafes and bike, sh I mean bike shop's not really the right word, bike, bike business. We do everything bike. around bikes from travel to, bike to building, building bikes to bike clothing to custom cycling experiences, guided rides, travel everything. agency, everything. Route recommendations, connecting yeah. people, coffee and food. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm in this sexy bike emporium. Yeah, um, it is pretty nice in here. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. It's Lots worth saying edges. that we you know we you you launched here when you launched here two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yep. so that we are in this just beautiful environment, which is the service course in Wilmslow, and with La Fabrica next door, the cafe. It's kind of sumptuous, I think. It's us. I mean, it's always in every project. There's a real sense of bringing what, you, who you are. It's a very personal thing. I mean, I think for us, if you went into any one of our businesses, you would and should have the feeling that that you know the people that started this business. I mean, it's we want you to walk in and feel like everything's familiar, even if you've never been. We want you to be welcomed. We want you to feel warm. We want you to feel cozy and just that you're in a place that it's not intimidating. It's not, you know, snobby. It's just you come in and it's like coming into somebody's living room a bit. Like come in and be a part of our home in a sense because each business is a little part of us and what we're trying to do. So just making it welcoming is super important. I mean, we're just normal people. Pretty normal, yeah. We don't ever we, want to intimidate anybody. We want people to really just feel like what we feel and the really incredible thing about the service course on the cycling side is is being able to show people an experience that maybe they wouldn't be able to necessarily for whatever reason do themselves you know it may be intimidating to go into the Pyrenees and figure out where am I going to ride and what's the best experience how am I going to find my hotels and all this sort of stuff um, and a lot of people are busy and don't have time for that. So for us, it's like the opportunity just to take people to all these amazing places. And take um, all the stress and worry and planning out of it for them. So they yeah, just sure. go and are able to experience something fantastic. And we've done all the legwork, you mm -hmm. know? And it's just, you just come, you enjoy. We'll just take care of everything. Yeah, I just want people to... Have fun. Have their best life. You've been in Girona, which is where the business was started just over three years ago, and you're now kind of in Norway, mm. and obviously you're now in Wilmslow in Cheshire, but we're just going to come back to that because there's been a lot of growth and a lot of expansion in a very short period of time, and uh, you're both looking terribly relaxed as a result of it. Yeah, so, we're so it, 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 clearly, it clearly suits you, but I'm going to take you back to when you met um, and how you met. Mm. So just tell us, tell us more about that. Funny enough, we actually met in a cafe, so it's come full circle. I was his barista, still to this day making his <laughs> coffees. Yeah, so I love we it. met in a tiny little town called Langley, which is just an hour and a half out of Vancouver. Christian was there on a cycling team, an amateur racing team, and I was 16 years old, you guys, 16. At the time, well, still, we had a five-year age difference. When you're 30 and 35, it's not that big of a deal. When you're 16 and 21, it's a bit more of a big deal. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I was his barista. I would make him coffee. He would come in in spandex. And I thought, wow, what 
does this guy do for a living <laughs> that he has to look so funny? He would come in a lot on his rides. We just got to know each other that way through the cafe and then yeah, it was pretty simple from there. Coffee yeah. brought us together. Coffee, Coffee keeps us, us together. together. <laughs> Cycling brought us together. <laughs> well, maybe it was the two. Yeah. Cycling or coffee. If you wouldn't have liked coffee, we never would have met. No, exactly. Um, and then what happens after that? So you meet over coffee, so and then, and then coffee. Fast, fast forward to then, you know, you develop well, a relationship. Actually, it went very, very quickly. I mean, we... Well, he was shy. Yeah, we yeah. played the long game. A few months until we actually, <laughs> actually started Actually went dating. on a date. So yeah. it was three months of coffee flirting. Yeah. And then, okay, we went out for sushi. That was our first date. And yeah. I was just myself, and he loved it, and he was himself. And I was like, okay, that's yeah. good. And, and then after two years, we got engaged. Yep. But before that already, my second career was, was starting to develop quite well. Um, and I had the opportunity to sign a contract for my first proper professional team in Moving Europe. him to Europe. So that's when we went to Girona. I was 18 years old, moving across the world. Bless my mother that she let me do this because yeah. that's pretty crazy when you think Sorry, about you moved that. Sorry, you moved to Girona in what year? Mid-2008, in, in August we moved over. And you're 23 at this stage, are you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we got married... At year, 20 and 25. Two years later. Yeah. Oh, they got married so young, oh my God. Yep. Yeah, where did, did where did you get married? We got married in Gall on Galliano Island, which is one of the um... little islands off of Victoria. Yeah. Okay. Back in Vancouver, yeah. back in Canada, we had Everyone the wedding. Had to take a boat out there and yeah. Okay. Great I went weekend. I went to Barry Island last Beautiful. last yeah. year, Those just off Vancouver, yeah, yeah. and walked with bears and um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Stunning. Add that to the list. Yeah. yeah. Do that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then from yeah, twenty, so that's when we decided, okay, let's live in Europe permanently because before from 18 to 20 we were back and forth back and forth and so at 20 we got married I got married 25 you were and we decided okay let's stop being so nomadic let's pick a place let's mm. make that our home and so we decided with his career going the way it was that we were going to put kind of all cards on the table and we were going to try and do Europe to the best of our mm. abilities so then we moved to Girona permanently more yeah. or less in 2010 mm -hmm. And then the time just started flying by. It yep. was his dream. He was living his dream. He was able to race all the races he ever wanted. The classics, all the grand tours. Well, at that point, two of the major grand tours. His dream was always the Tour de France, as mm -hmm. every cyclist is. And yeah, time just started going by. He would race a lot. I would travel with him when I could. There were a lot of other cycling wives and girlfriends in the same situation. And so a lot of the husbands or boyfriends would all leave at the same time. And we would kind of hang out with each other, pass the days, weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then after the Tour de France is when we sort of started to lean towards doing something else. Well, the, that's the condensed version. Basically, after working towards this goal for years and years and years, working towards this one race that will complete any cyclist, we then finished this race. I say we because it was yeah. everything that we had been working towards. So Christian Chris, Christian might have been riding it, but, 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 yeah, but, you're, I, you're, yes. but you're both living it. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're doing exactly. it together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do this big race and he comes home. He has maybe three or four days at home after a month, keep in mind, of the hardest race of his career, comes back spends a few days at home and is on the road again. I had this realization that there's no end really to this at, at, at his age at the time. And I thought, you know, this could be another two years. This could be another five years. Like there's no end 
to cycling if he's mm-hmm. doing what he's doing. He's yeah. raced at all. I don't know if in my mind I thought there would have been this grand epiphany after the Tour de France where something would have changed, but then it was just the same. And that's mm-hmm. that's when I realized I couldn't do it anymore. And so I what, thought- what, what couldn't you do? Um, be just a cycling wife, okay. not I doing anything to, for have, myself. You have to go back to the beginning. I think Amber's a very ambitious person. As soon as she legally could start working, she had like three jobs. I love working. So, I love I love making my own money. I love meeting people. I love feeling tired after a hard day's work. Like I know what I'm good at mm-hmm. and I want to do that, you know? And so, so again, spending like eight years in Europe, essentially just doing laundry and looking grocery after shopping. Me, kind of, <laughs> as and, much fun as that was. But I mean, and there, and, and there have been days I know when we, we spoke before, there have been some years where I think you were saying that you know, you'd be away for about 150 oh, yeah. nights no of the year. 180, maybe half the year you're gone. Yeah. Right? I mean, so that's, it's like, that's it's, a lot on any relationship. It was fine when I was there, mm. but when I was not there, there was really nothing to do. So mm. half right? the year I didn't have really purpose in my life. And I know that sounds dramatic. And in a way it was just having an early retirement. You know, mm. I could sleep in till 10 o'clock, go out for a leisurely coffee, maybe go for a walk, but I had nothing that was driving me, pushing me forward, nothing that gave me a reason to wake up in the morning you know, and he would leave and I just had nothing. And so I'd go back home, visit my family, travel a bit, but I didn't have a drive for anything. And so that's why after the tour, after eight years, I was like, I can't do this for another five. Mm. And so it was at that point then that I said, okay, I'm going to go back to Vancouver where I can speak the language, where I can, you know, work and do something in what I want to do. And we were at the beach and I had this big mental breakdown. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I just... And, and this is when? This would have this been right after of... the tour. So this would yeah. have been August of yeah. 2015. Okay. okay. And so Christian's like, you know what? Go for a swim. Oh, 2014. Sorry. 14. He said, go for a swim. When you come back, I'll, I'll have, you know, an idea. And I was like, Psh, okay. And so I'm swimming and crying and swimming and crying. How many hours were you swimming? Not that long, <laughs> you know, just an hour back and forth. And I came back and he's like, you know, we, we had this idea in the back of our mind for a while because he loved coffee, because I loved a cafe. I worked at quite a few places in the one year I could work everywhere from a pizza parlor to a cafe to an old folks home. And I, I knew it was a cafe. That was my dream. And so he came, I came back and he said, okay, you know what, what do you think about opening a cafe? And we sat on the beach maybe for five or six hours working through every single pro and con thinking, can we make this work? Can we do this? It'll be sacrifice. It'll be, you know, money. It'll be a lot of stuff. And we decided, okay, you know what? We're going to do this. When things got hard, when things got tough, there was just no other option. You just had to push through. And the only other option, the ultimatum was you're going to go to Vancouver. And so every time we had roadblocks, every time something got us down, you just had to keep going. And when you said, I suppose when Amber said that day on the beach, you know, I can't do this anymore. And you said, I kind of had this sort of semi-mental breakdown of kind of going, I can't do this. Uh, How did you feel about that, Christian? Was there kind of a wake-up call going on? Or when somebody, you know, when your wife says, I'm going back to Vancouver, what's going on for you? And, And where are you at in the cycling then? Have you finished cycling, you know, in terms of your professional no, I mean, career I, then? Or you're still, you're still going? No, he I'm, was I'm, gonna I'm keep... still going. You're still, still going, going at that point. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, for me, there is, there is always a solution to a problem. Mm. Right. And I mean, if, if at the time it meant, you know, going to Vancouver for a certain period of time and then, you know, having to do it sort of long distance for a period, 
I mean, that would have potentially been an option. Mm-hmm. And sure, it would have worked. I mean, we did a lot of our our years together. Uh, not together. Not together. But, you know, obviously I wanted to have her be in, in Spain with me. As a cyclist and like for myself, I always understood like it was a really big sacrifice for Amber, mm-hmm. for me to allow me to follow my dream. Not just to allow me to follow, but to support me yes. doing it. And to me, my life as a bike racer was always kind of, I mean, you kind of look at it as just a bonus. Like it's pretty sweet that you just get to ride your bike. It's and, like being a rock star. And really do what you want to do. Like you mm. literally, you just kind of do what you want to do. Okay, you have to race and you're on a team and it's a professional environment and, and you've got a job and things like that. But Well, and you have to say that's why you got into professional cycling is because he thought, what can I do that allows me to ride my bike mm. as much as I want and get paid for it? And that's why you started cycling because yeah, you loved right. it You also so need much. to train quite hard. Yeah, but it's really, you do, but I mean, training's not that hard. I mean, training most days is four to five hours of work. Mm, yeah. And I love riding, so it's not really work. Yeah. I mean, it's a pleasure. It's a joy. Yeah. It's a joy. And then you literally have the rest of the day to do anything you want. Yeah. Right. Now, you're literally working 12 hours a day and, and you're super busy. Is running the businesses more challenging oh, than more being challenging. a professional cyclist much more challenging Ooh, gosh much more challenging. Wow. there's some days when he thought when wow. he says wow riding a bike was super let, let's easy. hope let's hope there aren't a couple of businesses now going Ooh, hey honey hey honey yeah. let, let's stop this and take up professional cycling because yeah. christian mayer and amber yeah. say it's easier easier then again, nothing it, easier is it's, it's, better it's different i mean it mm. comes back to also certain skill sets like to me cycling and anything physical is very easy mm. in terms of like I'm very willing to do it and I really enjoy it you know to me doing six hours on the bike is easier than one hour of emails like I'm just do not like emails yeah. and I'm not it's your it. strong point and, and you know yeah. screens just break my mind but <laughs> that's a different skill set though isn't it yeah it's it? a different skill set you know, exactly and, uh, exactly to what so, you're used to exactly so and you are getting better and you're having and to learn new skills yeah of course yeah of course emails still suck though. <laughs> yeah. he you're emails. right they do. any papers any and they, and they don't stop the road stops at some point yeah, exactly. but the emails never do exactly for me it was well let's 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 do this you know let's let's open this cafe let's we we can do it i mean there's no reason we can't do it i mean in the day when I was young, I wanted to become a professional cyclist. I didn't really think that I couldn't do it. It's like, mm. no, there is a way. You just have to figure out, okay, what's the way? You follow logical steps and you, 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 get there. you go through your processes mm. and, and anything is possible. And, and, just, and just for today, you're, yeah. you've just turned 30, Amber. Yay. And congratulations. Thank you. And you're about to turn 35. Five. You know, opening the first business was we had a lot of setbacks, you know, and there was a lot of things that licensing problems and mm-hmm. we got shut down once and all this sort of stuff. I mean, we were in a foreign country, we didn't speak the language. There's miscommunications. There was our first business where we maybe got the wrong people. All the things that can happen, happened. happened, you know, and we learned a lot from it. But also the interesting thing about cycling and professional sport, and I think cycling especially, is that you lose most of the time. Most of the time you lose. There's one winner in a bike race. 
Okay. You know, there's 200 people starting. Yes. Right. There's not that many races a year, so a very very good team might win 25 races a year, mm -hmm. right? Of I don't know, let's say 500 days of racing. So you actually lose most of the time in cycling, and not that you get used to losing, but it doesn't demotivate you from not trying to win next time. So it's always like in cycling, it's, okay, if we lost today, it's why did we lose and how can we win next time? Mm -hmm. So for me, the setbacks were always sort of like, well, okay, you're not gonna win every time. It's not always gonna be super smooth, but there's always a way, a logical way that you can go back, you can fix it, you can find the solution and you keep going forward. And I think that's sort of like between that background for myself and Amber saying, you know, for her, there just wasn't a choice. Like it just had to happen. Yes. Because also she didn't want to go back to Vancouver. Yes. Right. So this was her best option and it had to happen. It was mm -hmm. kind of like, there was no, there's no other way. Yeah. No other way. We just so did there it. was no, uh, it's too hard or, you know, another thing happened. I can see happen, how a or, lot of people get to the first setback push through second one oof okay you know what let's do this and by the third fourth fifth setback your percentage gets greater and greater and greater of people who just say you know what this is too hard because between the two of us we would have to be the motivation for each other like i would have a setback he would be the strength and mm. then he would be like oh this is so hard and then i would balance it out and mm. i can see if you're doing it solo first of all maybe you don't make it past the third setback mm. if you're as a couple maybe the fifth one maybe the sixth one you say you know what this just isn't for us it's not in the cards it's a sign you know it, it takes a very resilient almost borderline stubborn person to keep pushing and to keep fighting for what they know they want to do but we have two very motivated driven and two yeah. very stubborn people but i think also the the, the thing was that was great was we have completely opposite skill sets. Yes, okay, so this is one of the things that yeah. people talk about, you know, how do couplepreneurs do this? Why would you do this with your partner? And the couplepreneurs that do do it say, well, we don't understand why everybody doesn't do it. And I think one of the things is because you have complementary skill sets. So tell us more about that. I think it has to have the right balance. You know, my skill set was completely different. Amber is all about people, managing people. It's all about being with customers, very outgoing. Um, and just has the energy for days. And when we opened our first cafe, you know, coffee was my passion. Mm -hmm. People was her passion. So anything to do on the coffee side was my responsibility. Anything to do on the people side was her responsibility. And saying that, I think the most important factor is in the beginning is that we both realized what we were good at. And even though in the beginning, the first few months were probably the hardest because we both are stubborn mm -hmm. and we both have a clear vision of how we wanted it to be. And they may have been slightly different. And in the beginning, the hardest thing to do was for me to just sort of say, you know what? That's her department. I'm not saying a thing, you know? If she needs help in it, she can come and she can ask and I'll be supportive. But the difficult part thing is to let go of something that you might, oh, well maybe I would do that a little bit different and just say, you know what? That's their department. They've got this. I need to focus on my skill set, my specialty. 
And it's just about having that respect for each other's domain yes. inside the business. Yes. And really just letting them go with it. If they need you, they'll ask for support. Um, I mean, there's always things that we talk about, but you know, as especially as it developed, you know, now we're some years on and now it's know, so easy, really. Doing more businesses, it's really sort of like, you know what, I don't even think about personnel or I don't think about, um, you know, doing schedules and menus and things like that. And that's just her department. And I've got, you know, I've got my stuff to, to take care of and, and figure out. What's your role and what are you doing now? Because um, that's so interesting. You're saying, oh, now we've got, you know, now, we, now we're in Norway and now we're in, in Cheshire and we're in Girona. Oh, it kind of seems easy. It's still, you know, pretty immense that, you know, in a, in a number of months you've kind of launched, you know, yeah, two, t- two, two additional mm-hmm. businesses yeah. I think in, in two different countries. It is immense. Um, I think, what do I do? I do most everything to do with, with cycling outside of the travel. Amber actually does the travel portion okay. of the... I was the, a little bored, aside from the fabrica, and I was like, yeah. what else can I do? Travel! <laughs> uh, I generally still oversee the coffee, in particular. I oversee... This is Espresso Mafia. The, well, the, co- the, just, coffee, the coffee business is Espresso yeah. Mafia, well, isn't it? Mafia. More essentially, just particularly the roasting process of okay. the coffee. Okay, um, which happens there. Which It happens there, yeah. Then a lot of the design of the shops, all the brands that we work with. The creative side of, you know, layout and... How and things should look. Exactly. So this shop, I mean, is we... I design it all with a... Mm. And then a guy renders it for me and mm. that sort of thing. And then there's sort of the overall vision of the business, especially on the, the cycling ethos. side. We're quite different than most cycling business. We're very, very unconventional in terms of like the people that we work with bikes we only work with builders so we only work with artisan builders who are Mm -hmm. hand building bikes Mm -hmm. we don't do any sort of commercial bike brands um you know we're doing cycling trips to to Tajikistan we're doing it's kind of like we're really really trying to do something completely different that doesn't exist from day one we always wanted to go quality over quantity Mm -hmm. and so finding those small really important things that make us different as you get bigger bigger brands come to you they want to be involved they like what you're doing they want to be in your shop and keeping that foundation of you know what this is who we are this is what we're working towards and making sure you just stay true to yourself the number one thing is authenticity if you want to do a business and you want to have a successful business um, as any entrepreneur I think the first thing you have to realize is what am I really doing what am I passionate about you need to follow that, you know, and not not necessarily just the trends. You know, you need to be true to who you are mm. um, because that way every day you can just pour passion into it because if you really love doing what you're doing and, and you're working in what you love, that's the only way you can do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you had to go to work and just kind of fake it every day, that would be... Extremely Hard. difficult. Yeah. Extremely difficult. And, and so when you're sort of on that beach and you're talking about, you know, my mental strength, my mm-hmm. mental health is being affected, and then and then you had sort of 150, 180 days not being together in the year, you're suddenly setting up these businesses and you're together kind of every day. You're together every yeah. day now. Yeah. So it's kind of how has that worked? And also... How is your mental strength? Because I think for any entrepreneur or two co-founders or any couplepreneur, 
there is a view that you know is the mental strength you know good because it's the two of you you're all in you're stronger together and you have those complementary skill sets and as you've I think just alluded to Amber that when you're kind of up uh, Christian you know might not be and then vice versa so you're kind of supporting each other and you've got this like total honesty so when we actually first opened we decided in August and we opened in March he was still a professional cyclist so when we opened, he was still going to races, he was still training, and in his off time, basically, I would come up with all this information, run it by him, he would help, we'd go to the city hall together, we brought in someone who like spoke Catalan and helped us with that. But when we opened in March, he was a professional cyclist. Mm -hmm. And so we opened, and he was gone. Came back, he was gone. He'd come back, make some coffees, he would go, and so, we did a whole year of La Fabrica with him still being a professional cyclist, okay. still being gone that 150, 160, 170 days. Then a year later, we opened Espresso Mafia. Mm. That's when Christian said, you know what, we can do better coffee. I know we can make a better cup of coffee. I really want to try. So then we opened Espresso Mafia a year later. To roast. To roast this coffee. To have a place in Girona, the only in-city, in-town roaster that Girona has. Mm. You walk down the streets and you can smell our Brazilian coffee. But anyway, so he thought, I want to do this. So he's roasting, going away for racing. Coming back, roasting, going away for a two-week stage race. Come back, work at La Fabrica for a day, go to a race. That was another year. Mm. So this whole time, but now I'm super happy. Okay, I was going to ask you, how are you? I have something I am as happy as a clam in high water. I am able to meet people. I'm working every day. I'm going to bed exhausted knowing that I'm doing what I'm meant to do. Mm. So I was like, go for it. Go do your races. Go do your tours. Do, do you see a difference in Amber through this time when yeah, the business has opened? Yeah. I and, mean, what, what's, and what's happening for you when you're coming back? You know, it's a relief that she has something to pour mm. herself into. Mm. You know, it's, it's fantastic. Less pressure for you. Um, and also, I was super happy because I really enjoyed, I, I love roasting coffee, so I really enjoyed that part of the business. And, um, I mean, to me, it was absolutely amazing. And I had, like, the best, the best years of my second career were after we opened the cafe. Mm. Just because I also had something else that I was focusing on other than just bike riding. Do you think that helped you? Do you oh, think that can. helped your, yeah, your because, cycling? Because professional athletes, generally, we are overanalyzers, mm. right? So we are like super deep into everything we do. So you think all the time like, okay, today I'm going training and I have these efforts. So how do I feel? Am I a bit tired? You know, is my bike fitting correctly? And blah, blah, blah. You just have all these things in your mind. Um, and to just essentially step back from that and, focus and on something else have something that's just kind of your mind is thinking about mm. right and you just completely forget all about those little sort of things that are nonsense really and just kind of frees you so for me it was it was really amazing but then going forward i mean i think for us in our day-to-day -day, we we're not we're not together necessarily that much okay right so she, amber's in the fabrica daily and i'm generally daily in the service course yeah so i'm in the cycling side yes yeah, so there's this myth that a lot of the time couplepreneurs are kind of not quite sitting next to each other but they're no we're definitely if not they're running the a hip. business if they're running a business together you know yeah. most people tell me exactly the same thing that they've got 
areas of the business that they are managing and they can go for days without yeah. kind of seeing each other throughout the day. Yeah, so, so we, we generally, I mean, we see each other in the morning because I have my coffee in the morning with Africa. Again, full circle. Uh, spend some time <laughs> there, but for, you know, 80% of the working day, I don't see Ember. Mm. I'm doing my thing then. Always afternoons, evenings, obviously we have together and we talk a lot about, there's a lot of overlap because she does the travel and the service course. I'm like, uh, okay, you're doing these guided rides next week. I need this much kilos of Brazil coffee. But So everything we do is we know exactly what each person is doing mm. and exactly what their area of business is doing because that's essentially all we talk about. <laughs> so, I mean, we're not definitely not joined at the hip but we know everything that's going on. I, I know you said those first few months, you know, if you don't speak Spanish, or you've got the Catalan, you know, you're, you're in an environment where it's kind of foreign in so many ways of doing business. So Lara Morgan talks about, you know, sweaty knicker moments, you know, when she kind of presents and I kind of coined her phrase. And mm. so, you know, tell us about what's been the kind of the biggest sweaty knicker moment, that kind of like, oh my God, you know. Well, one time we got closed down. Yeah, so when we first opened La Fabrica, we opened as the, so the person, when Christian said at the beginning, like, we got the wrong people, there were some people who were doing things just fast and cheap, and they registered us as a store. So we got the wrong license. They registered us as a retail store instead of a place that serves edible coffee and beverage. Yeah. And so the city hall came to inspect us. Of course, we were serving coffee, and they said, no, no, you're registered as a retail store. Again, they kind of let us know and then left and then delivered a mail that we never got, came again with, okay, you're still a a retail place, you need to re-register, but again, didn't really give us anything. And then all of a sudden they came with police and said, well, no, you have to register properly. And so... No, they came and they shut it down. Yeah, with police. Tape across the door. Yeah, and said, you cannot be open. You cannot come in here. And so, yeah, there were, those were some pretty big moments where you just not speaking, it's not even Spanish, it's Catalan. And, and then we opened and we were a little bit nervous because there was nobody in Girona doing specialty coffee. So us opening La Fabrica was a huge risk. There was nowhere to see, oh, you know what? That place is doing good. It's pretty busy. We well, you should have open. to think like what we were doing was typical coffee in Spain is a euro. Yeah. Right. Like coffee is one of those things like in Italy that people still expect should be like essentially free. I mean, especially coffee is, you know, there's, it's actually the real, it's still, I mean, the price we're paying now is still not a real price for coffee when you actually think about what's involved in making coffee, Mm. like people picking it by hand, Mm. you know, it's getting processed, it's getting graded, it's getting packaged, put on a boat, shipped across the ocean, roasted, packed again, made by somebody. Anything okay? Well, this only costs two bucks. Like it's mm. it's pretty ridiculous. It's but but how interesting you're, that you're saying. You know, one, on one level, it's kind of like we don't know if people are going to want speciality coffee. Yeah. So, so we were nervous about that, yeah, really, okay. thinking, okay, we're doing something that no one else is doing, which yeah. means we don't know if it's going to work. Mm. And I remember one thing that I'll never forget in this whole process is that our mentality going forward, especially mine, was if we just break even and I have something to do, and I enjoy it, that's all I need. If we just pay the bills, and I have a reason to get up, and I affect people positively with my little cup of coffee, and my good morning, that's it, that's all I need. And so we opened, and it just went well. Somehow it just 
went well. And they always say like, if you build it, the people will come. And so we started getting a really big mix of people. The first mm -hmm. thing we got were the cyclists. Because obviously Christian was cycling, telling them, you know, I'm going to open this coffee mm. shop. And so there were a lot of cyclists living also, in Verona. And there were also people that came from countries that had a coffee culture. Australia, U.S. All right? And no specialty coffee from... existed. Yes. So it was sort of like something that everybody wanted. It's kind of the place to go to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're creating a community, aren't yeah. you, as a yeah. result of that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you'd have like a lot of cyclists who came to Girona who didn't have a wife or a girlfriend or children. They were away from their family and they mm. came in. We would speak English. We'd mm. give them a nice, strong, flat white, you know, a little oatmeal bowl. And they would just feel, again, that safe, home, welcoming feeling. And so first we started getting the cyclists. Then we started getting kind of local people who heard we did good coffee, you know, so kind of the foodies of Girona. Then we started getting the bloggers. Then we started getting, you know, the people from Barcelona. And now, like, thank the Lord, it's amazing because we'll get people from all around the world. We had someone the other day who came in from Hanoi, Vietnam who, someone from Australia, someone from Winnipeg, and they come in and they say, you know, I've been following your cafe for one, two, three, four years. Yes. And I've come to Girona and it was everything we thought it would be. Mm. And it's such a blessing and it's so amazing that not a lot of people are able to achieve their dreams in life. Mm. And the fact that you just, sometimes you just get it. You work hard and it pays off. And I wake up every day and when those people come and say that, I think, you know what? Not to be dramatic, but I could die now. And like, I've done, you know, the well, most the meaningful thing to me. I think the important thing there also that you need to remember is it's, it's also not luck. It was you a know, lot like, of work. It's hard work yeah. and it's a good product and you work your tail off every day. You know, I've had sleepless nights because the coffee is not tasting the way that I think it should be tasting or or we have to yeah. fire somebody. Yeah. Somebody's not a really good worker and we know, okay, tomorrow we have to let them go. Like there because, are still because we're not willing to to not have the best customer service. I mean, so mm. there's a lot of things that are kind of you're just like you keep like up even at you night. think you think now you're just like, well, okay, you know, that's a lot of work. But you know, there's a certain recipe to success. To being having a good business mm. and you know it is about that it's yeah I like to talk about life integration because I think we're living in a world now of you know work-life balance it's just you know everything's happening 24 7 so yeah, in terms of that. in terms of integrating it you know particularly as a couplepreneur yeah. how do you manage that and somebody somebody said to me you know we got into bed and we started having this kind of pillow talk about GDPR and you know emails and yeah. how you manage privacy of yeah. names and yeah. Yeah. and i was saying that's okay because yeah. that's what it's you know it's, it's almost the recognition the acceptance mm -hmm. that sometimes that can happen and almost catching yourself yeah. you know but i mean i think how do you guys do it uh i think there's a couple of things one is i think we l really love what we do mm. so you know if i had my spare time i'd be cycling anyway you know, like I went on this epic trip to Tajikistan and rode all over and then, you know, planning all these other cool trips that I can kind of like put that under the work umbrella, you know, but it's pretty amazing. Mm. And, you know, Amber loves being with people and being in the cafe. And, I think and she means as a work-life balance with each other. No, but she, it was, you know, my understanding is sort of like, how do you go home and not be thinking about work yeah, all yeah, the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both things, yeah. Yeah, but we we do go home and think about work all the time. 
and I mean, do you talk about it all the time? Because again, people yeah. have said to me, you know, I think other people who aren't couplepreneurs, you know, friends and family sometimes have said to people who are running businesses together, you know, you've got to have a rule, you've got to cut off by a certain time. And then, and then some people have done that and they've been miserable. It is true what you said, that we both just really enjoy a yeah. lot what we do. It's their business pillow talk. Yeah, it's about sure. staff, it's about what's it's, coming up in the week, it's I, work stuff. Yeah. yeah that's, it's it's our lives. We don't yeah. we don't try to stop at a certain time, turn off at a certain time. It's like it's, it's in, what it's we in, breathe. It's enjoyable because otherwise we'd just probably be talking about that stuff anyway. I get that. Or that I wasn't job. able to do that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So you now know, oh, I wish I could do, instead of bitching at him for yeah. not being able to do that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And as you say, Amber, you know, if if you if you you know you will die a happy woman yeah. now that now that yeah. you have your. Yeah. You know, you've got yeah. the business. Like our our vacations generally are, you know, once or twice a year we go away for somewhere. Yeah, I was going to ask, can you get away? Can this you... is one thing we prioritize. Yeah. Every year we in definitely... November, mm. we go somewhere. Okay. Yeah. Whether or not it's Japan. Last year, 2019, we went on a cruise ship. Which us time? and 350 75-year-old people. It was magical. It was but, magical. You, you, but, may, you may have just brought the um, average age down of, of, cru- kept, of, cru- people, of cruise shipping yeah. by, by 10 or 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And they were like, we think you're on the wrong boat. Did, did <laughs> you you think you're yeah. lost. Yeah. But, so we make time for each other in that sense. How was cruise shipping? Great. Yeah. I mean, old yeah. people have exactly our routine. You know, <laughs> get up early, go to bed early. Yeah. We were in bed every night by like 8.30, yeah. yeah. 9 o'clock. Our routine will be wake up in the morning, have coffee, and then do a couple hours of work, and then... Even on vacation, we will yeah. always work. And I think that day on the beach that we decided to open a cafe, after eight years of early retirement, I think I made a choice that, okay, obviously opening your own business, owning your own business, it's going to be a lot of work. And I think that day, that's what I needed. Mm. And I made that choice. And it's not something that you can think, oh, you know, I'll open my own business and just kind of half-ass my way through it. I knew that by making this choice, my life was gonna change a lot. And I was ready, I needed that change. Mm. And so obviously we've now been at it five years. We do have a, a good system down. And I think with the reason we chose an expansion is because we felt we had conquered what we had done. Mm. And I think the only reason we chose an expansion is because we were ready for something more. And we do get bored very easily as soon as we Day three of vacation, it's like, okay, now what do we do? Yeah, it's like we we want to work this hard. We want things to fill our lives that we know we're good at, that we know we can, in in that turn, change other people's lives. And so for us, it's like every day is a reward of we're lucky that we get to do this, Mm. that we get to meet the people that we meet. Mm. And yeah, I don't regret any decision that we've made. If you look back, did you know then that you know, three years down the road, you'd but you'd have no way. That wasn't. It was that strategic choice. Okay, in three years time, we're going to go into Norway and we're going into <laughs> everything. Has just been. It's just evolved. A natural, it? organic yeah. progression. Like literally, everything sort of happens for us on a day by day. Mm. We've not once planned. Have you got a business plan? No. Well, no. we're working on that. No. Well, now well, we are. Now that it's now. a company, we're working so on. So now, during the expansion, we have. Um, some investors and mm. partners and things like that. So things. Can we talk about investors? Yeah, sure. Yeah, who's who's investing? So we have Simon Garrens. Yeah. Uh, Mike Christian's, Woods. Simon is Christian's previous teammate. Yeah, we yes. were teammates for a long So they've time. known each other a long time. Simon has now also retired. Same as Christian, like looking for something that he can do that's not on a bike professionally cycling, but that 
He knows. He yes. loves all the connections that he's, he's got made. Got a great skill set. Completely different yeah. than mine. And he's come in as a COO. Yeah, he's great at emails. So then Simon we've got Mike Woods. We've got Cassia Niedoma. Just recently, we added Sam Buley and George Bennett. Okay. Edvald Bosenhagen. Edvald Bosenhagen. Okay, so brilliant. We've got, a, we've got a pretty good so got, lineup yeah. of, of uh, investors. And are they are they all fairly new investors? Originally, we funded well La Fabrica. We opened on bonuses from cycling. So mm-hmm. on our team, if you won a race or a teammate won a race, you got a bonus. Yeah, so you self-funded the, self-funded, the you've yeah. self-funded the yeah. cafe together. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. La Fabrica then, was us, Espresso Mafia was us, and then the once was us. Sur- when La Fabrica started doing well, yeah. we reinvested all that into Mafia. Okay, and when Roasters Espresso Mafia are not cheap. or both yeah, started yeah. going well, that got reinvested into the service course. Okay. Actually, so, the fact that we opened all three of those things with like La Fabrica money, all those bikes, the whole yeah, service that course. Is, that, that, is, that, is, that is quite extraordinary yeah. for people that haven't been there and haven't seen it, yeah. to know that that, that was, but it was, all, always that was self-funded a, I mean, we were extraordinary. We never took out any debt, we never took out any loans. Uh, we never asked anyone for money. So you owned the, you owned the business 100%? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, w- and was that? Do you have? Are you? Were you fifty yep. fifty in the business? Yeah, yeah. and they okay. wanted us to be forty nine fifty one, and we said no. <laughs> who, someone needs who, who, to, who did the lawyers? The lawyers. They, they said, look, if something someone happens, needs to be able to have a final say. In a, and we were like, no. Nope. Nah. Again, both of us too stubborn. Yeah. Okay. So fifty fifty all the time. Okay, and so so lots of people say, you know, I, I spend a lot of time with investors, yeah. and a lot of people say, gosh, ooh, a couple owned business, woo. That's really? a bit risky. Oh, it's a it's a massive thing, Is you it? know. And lots of couplepreneurs. Thirty eight percent of couplepreneurs have said that they have been viewed negatively because they are a couple. Oh wow! Because for us, it's the opposite. Yeah, and, well, and actually, when the, when they start spending time with them, and then lots of people say to me, some of their best investments are through couplepreneurs because they are stronger together they are all in but there's this sense that because you're all in what happens if something goes wrong there's yeah. kind of that pessimism that oh, just okay. lies kind of deeper yeah Interesting. um but clearly yeah. you've got investors that you know yeah. yeah so now obviously that leads to a bit more evolution of a, yes you know corporate structure Sure. A couple of board meetings now and again. Yes. You know, more emails. Business plans, <laughs> that sort of thing. Does that fill you with dread or delight or a he mixture of... He doesn't enjoy it, but he does it. No, I mean, I, I I, don't mind a board meeting at all. I quite enjoy the business side. I really yes. have enjoyed learning and growing mm. and really understanding and the when, business. When right? he because has before, a room of people that he's able to like say, guys, this is what we're trying to do. This is my vision. Help me execute it. That's a great outlet for you to be able to... Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you kind of have to always realize that there's a lot of people that are much better at doing things than you are. Like, I'm the first guy that would say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at doing like some, a bit of everything, but I'm not amazing at doing one thing. Like, But that's why you surround yourself with people who are exactly. better than you, don't you? Exactly. And you're, so, you, you pull them in in either bite-sized chunks or you get it through your yeah, investors. Exactly. Or... So this is the kind of the thing that sounds, you know, it's a bit of an oxymoron, but as a business grew, it felt to be getting easier because we had more good people who were doing things that like before I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I can kind of manage that and kind of get it done. It's not ideal. And now you've got someone who's like doing it's that. It's their full-time job. Really well, yeah. right? So all of a sudden 
everything is lifted, right? And so from the very beginning for us, it's always been about the team and the people that we have employed. You're only as strong as the people who represent your brand when you're not there. And in La Fabrica, you know, from the beginning, it's always been you've just people have come and you know it sounds kind of crazy but if if you don't keep up sorry you're out of here you know it's With like staff, we've yeah. had high standards we, we pay we, well we like to think we're good employers yeah and we've got a fun time we've got an amazing team mm. um, people come to work and they're happy but if there's one bad apple they just got to go right and if you can't keep up sorry, if everybody's you, working you, at 100 percent and you come in at 75 we notice the whole team notice we're not babysitters you come to work and unfortunately you don't get a medal just for showing up you know it's it's really serious work and the people that work for us are there because they enjoy working like we do and yes. so that builds an amazing team environment yeah the team has been the most difficult part like i would say anyone yeah. would probably tell you that getting yes. the right people is yes. probably the hardest part but the keeping most keeping the right people getting rid of, of the wrong people like your staffing is harder than anybody else. And, 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 like, and now you're how many people? Uh, we have, let's say, eight at La Fabrica, five at Mafia, and 15 in, yeah, more than 15 five. in the service so, so you're So you're kind of like 30, 30, 30, 30, 40 people? Yeah, over, over I'd say the, we'd be around 30, 25 or 30. Over the, over the three locations? Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's been points where we've really been like, is it us as bosses? Because we were like kind of, especially in the service course in the first year and a half, two years, just going through a lot of people. Mm. Trying like, to find the right people. Trying to find the right people, people. is so difficult because, mm. you know, cafes aren't bad because, you know, essentially what you have to do is like be a server. Make or, coffee, you know, you bring just, it out. You know, smile, be friendly, work hard, easy. In the service course, I mean, you're looking for people with a very specific skill set, mm. be it a mechanic Absolutely. or something, but then also very specific personality. Right, the one that you know, we like to have in our um, businesses, which is like very customer service um, oriented, yeah. and so at some points we're thinking like, "Jesus, is it us? Like, are we just are we the problem?" Because we're kind of like you know going, going through, through so many people, and you just kind of have to just think like you know, it's just reassuring. Saying no, I mean, this is we have a very clear vision of what we're trying to execute. We have to, stick and we to need that. to get the right people on board because that's one of the key factors yeah. to it potential being successful you know I, th I think um, you have to hold your nerve yeah, you I've, I've done that in the past mm. where it's taken me 38 interviews at one point and this was probably 10 years into a business where I was thinking am I losing the plot am I just <laughs> getting more and more demanding or what's yeah. going on and I just wasn't seeing the right person I just thought I just have to hold out I yeah. just have to hold my nerve and yeah. you know that person came along yeah now we have an amazing team mm. you know it's you know the best team we've we've ever had and that's also with the growth so it's mm. been amazing we're gonna have to wrap this up yeah, soon party starting party because time. there's a party going they, they yeah. launched two weeks ago and there's a party what's happening tonight tell us uh, tell we're us having a vip night so okay. henrik or who was the team sky chef mm. um he is doing a private dinner so okay, we're okay, also trying to do more of those kind of yeah. events bringing in really cool people to showcase what they can do and just sort of finally what would you tell you know you're, you're kind of sort of three and a half years in, aren't you, to kind of setting up the business. So what would you tell an aspiring couplepreneur that was setting out? Don't give up. Mm. There will be roadblocks, number one. Number two, it'll cost a lot more than you think it's gonna cost, <laughs> always. And number three, it's gonna take a lot longer 
any quote you ever get of it's gonna cost this much, it's gonna take this long, double or triple it, that's yeah. being honest. Yeah. You can try to carve out time for each other, but don't feel bad if it doesn't happen, because at the end of the day, by opening your own business, you do choose that over almost everything. If you have kids, it means more time away from the kids. Mm -hmm. If you are married, it means less time with that person. And you do sacrifice a lot, but it will be super rewarding. And there is mm -hmm. nothing that compares to being your own boss, accounting to yourself or your partner, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And also I think it's about really staying true to your vision mm -hmm. and what you set out to do and mm -hmm. to remember why you're doing something. You know, sometimes it may take longer than you expect, but have some patience and, and keep working. But to me, the number one thing is just remember why you did it and stay true to that, you know, have that authenticity, stay focused. Yeah, authenticity is a huge, huge yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. And, and then just finally, I mean, again, when we were talking earlier about, you know, it wasn't strategic, you know, it's it's sort of evolved and you now have investors and a board and you know if we were sitting here and it was let's imagine it's the first of February 2025 what does the business look like? I would say I'm not sure what the business would look like but I would say my goal would be that we would be one of one of the most relevant cycling brands in the world and that includes La Fabrica, that includes the service course, that includes everything how many more service course La Fabrica that needs to happen? I don't know. Uh, there's other ways to make it happen, but I think the goal is to kind of bring cycling to people mm. um, and bring experiences to people. I mean, through those experiences, essentially bringing life to people. I mean, I see those experiences as getting a people away from their day-to-day -day and pushing themselves and having like literally having a life-changing experience. I know it sounds kind of, you know, maybe a bit corny, but that is what we do. And I would love to do as much of that as possible for as many people as possible. Um, wow, can I yeah. clap? That was so good. <laughs> oh, Beautiful. I also, I also heard the corks popping. Yeah. So I think that is a maybe fabulous a cue, to, a fabulous go, yeah. cue yeah. to stop. <laughs> but I could sit here all night. It's just immense I think as you said Christian yeah. and and I think that whole kind of turning point of you sitting on that beach you know I felt like I was on that beach with mm. you where you're kind of going I'm going to go back to Vancouver and yeah. and who knows what will have happened from yeah. there on in so I want to say a huge thank you for your time you. and thank for, you very much for sharing so yeah. much and being so real and raw and honest so thank you again and we wish you a wonderful and celebration um, ahead tonight that was so enjoyable with so much to talk about and I know we're going to continue to follow Amber and Christian's journey and it will be great to get them back on in the future. A couplepreneur to watch indeed. And in our next episode we feature Sarah and John Gorgon who run Finley James and Talent Scout digital and tech recruitment businesses. Established in 2003, Sarah didn't come into the business until 2013. And what's been happening up to that and since as a couplepreneur is quite extraordinary in terms of growth, culture, diversity and more. So that's coming soon on Between the Spreadsheets. <laughs>